What are we talking about today? You and I have worked on the project Intergenerational Conversations about the Climate Crises for several months. It's over now, and now we're looking into the future to see what's next. I think it's a good time to show other folks how they can do podcasts about real issues that resonate with them. We had the generous support of the New Brunswick Environmental Trust Fund, but it turns out that's not really needed. This is not a big money vehicle. So who's going to want to do this? Maybe students looking for support for a new project. Maybe service clubs have a long-term project of collecting newspapers and such and need some PR. Maybe a church group wants to start a soup kitchen or food pantry in their community. So this is a big deal, right? No, this isn't a big deal. Just fill in a few blanks. Five people or maybe just two, who will volunteer to become proficient with the recording software, who will write up the project plan, the schedule, and the proposed budget, who will find and recruit the interviewees, who will volunteer to be the facilitator, who will help to edit and broadcast the podcasts. When we did our podcast, we utilized thousands of dollars worth of sophisticated equipment. A school or a Lions Club, they wouldn't have this. Well, that's true. But serviceable podcasts are made every day by kids on their smartphones, as I am informed. Almost any laptop or smartphone contains the basic hardware and software needed to record edit, and store a podcast of 60 minutes or more in length. For more advanced options, various third-party apps allow one-stop record, edit, distribute podcasting software. Current popular apps include Podcastle and Buzzsprout, and dozens more. Some amount of time will be required to test these tech elements, and find which computers or which phones work best and the intricacies of the preferred software. An external condenser microphone produces noticeably better quality than the one built into a laptop or phone, but it is an option not of necessity. External mics cost around $100.00 and the podcasting app will cost between 0 and $20 a month. The format, I know when we worked the Intergen podcast, the formats tended to evolve as we learned about the students and the dinosaurs. Is this ideal? The only real requirement for a successful podcast is the ability to succinctly describe what your group is passionate about that you want to encapsulate into your podcasts. That will determine your format. A high school may wish to bring forward the need for a required civics class for all grade 11 students. A church group may feel driven to speak about the need for helping the homeless in their city. A service club may be advocating for new bike lanes in town. The vehicle seems especially well-suited to climate change issues 
that pop up in rapid succession these days. All that's required is a cadre of passionate people who want to be heard and an ability to convey a clear and engaging message. Once your group has chosen a subject that can be clearly defined with only a few words, you can start to develop the subject with specific, open-ended discussion questions. Yes-no questions do not play well in a podcast designed to spur thought and discussion. For example, rather than asking, how many homeless people live in your town? You might rather ask, how does the sight of tents in the city parks and people living under overpasses make you feel? The first question has a definite answer, say 400, but that answer fails to convey meaning, feeling, or to promote engagement with the listener. The second question seeks answers with profound meaning, and specifically meaning to the listener. The first question invites argument. 400? No way. More like 200 at the most. But the second question naturally opens discussions and invites a number of good follow-up questions that draw out the deep sense of each participant. These are the pearls you seek. So what's the plan? How, how many folks on the mic? Each podcast session can consist of only the facilitator, or the facilitator and up to four interviewees. Your choice of participants will affect your equipment choices and your unique community situation will likely suggest which format is best for you. Length of the podcast will be evident as the discussion progresses. It is best to aim for a finished podcast between, say, 20 minutes and an hour. Well, I've made lots of podcast recordings. The process itself is simple. Pick a quiet room, place the microphones adjacent to the participants, and start. Now, for minor problems like coughs, laughs, and sneezes, you can stop and just take it from the sentence before, and you can edit it in post, is what we call it. If you're aiming for a 30-minute podcast, let the conversation run for approximately 40 minutes so you can make these edits down to time. And you can have a short discussion afterwards off the mic to hear everyone's immediate thoughts. You know, did they have questions or did they find them intrusive? Was the specific subject matter thoroughly talked out or do we schedule another session? Who in your community might be interesting to include in the next podcast? I'm also familiar with editing. It's the most time-consuming phase since it involves listening in detail to the recording and removing tangents or distractions that detract from the conversation. This might include a coughing spell, an outside intrusion, or a digression that the interviewee would later want to delete. If you use only one mic, mixing is not a problem. But if you have several interviewees, they will each have a microphone and the sound streams will need to be equalized and mixed. The commercially available podcast apps have automatic equalizing software and can also remove background noise to some extent. Natural room noise likely will not be a problem and will indeed lend a certain authenticity to the product. There are also 
uh, third-party applications for your computer itself. Audacity is one that I would definitely recommend, and it's free of charge. You will want, I find, to add a short introduction to the podcast with the name of the organization, the list of your sponsors, the name of the facilitator, and a description of the subject. You'll want to generate interest by telling why your organization is passionate about the subject. Is it important to your community, to all of Canada, or even to all of the world? Before the question and answer, let the participants introduce themselves by giving either their first names only, their full names, or their nicknames, and a short biography including their grade, their school, their group, etc. Add a wrap-up statement at the end of the podcast and include what your future plans are for more podcasts. Be sure to close with your email address or your website URL. The finished file can be exported within emails, to a website, or via any other social media. This self-publishing will guarantee coverage to listeners from the organization's location and its friends. If you are publicizing a local event or a local hot topic, this might be sufficient. For the very widest dispersal, however, many fee-based distribution channels exist, such as those podcast apps that we previously talked about. They'll distribute the podcast to carriers such as YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And some podcast apps will supply periodic listener statistics to document your reach and the popularity of your podcast. And some will even archive your podcast for a price. So if you have a subscription to someplace like Buzzsprout or something like that, they'll keep your stuff forever. And then you can go onto your social media, share your links to your friends, family, RSS feeds so that people can use their favorite podcasting software to tune in to what you've got, to tune in to your message, what you provide, your service. Now, what about um, subscriptions? How does a uh, listener subscribe to your podcast series? Well, most podcast apps, how people listen to their stuff, once they find you, once they search for intergenerational conversations on climate, for instance, there's a button that says subscribe. So they get a a notification every time we publish a new conversations on climate episode. So once they're there, it doesn't matter who they use for their favorite podcasting listening, because there's lots of those apps out there. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, these are just representations of the bigger ones. But there are some that, you know, podcast obsession, those kinds of things that are smaller. They can still tune in with the RSS feed. They can still do the search, intergenerational conversations on climate or voices of community. And they can still tune in, subscribe. Every time we put out a new episode, they listen. And for the people that want to create their own podcasts, as long as they keep the title simple and easy to search, they can have the same reach. Excellent. And podcasting is well within the powers of many organizations in your community. High school clubs or classes can use this tool to amplify their voices, especially on the topic of climate change. Recent scientific research among the world's youth document a growing despair about climate change and its implications for the next 10 to 20 years. Serious discussions such as the 
intergenerational conversations that we have published can be a helpful way to talk through these concerns and can suggest healthy action items that will enable young people to transition from passive concern to hopeful activism. Podcasts can center on timely personal concerns or ongoing community efforts to counteract climate change. It might even be best to alternate between personal concerns and community action. Personal apprehension about heat extremes can best be resolved as a motivation to establish as-needed community centers in the local library, churches, and civic buildings. The concerns are large, and the solutions are for all of us to join. Climate crises affect the world and our own communities.